Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Losing someone you care about can be one of the hardest pains to work through in life. You're grappling with so many feelings, but also so susceptible to the negative and the positive energies that surround us in times of despair. At times, it can be a warm feeling knowing that your loved ones are reaching out from the other side, just making themselves known to you if it means bringing you comfort. The more terrifying experience is feeling something awful, something that you recognize as separate from your pain. Maybe it's a sense of impending doom. Or you're literally being harassed by the evil entities that have invaded your space, taken over your home, and completely devoured your sense of safety. Tonight, we will walk in the shoes of others. These people have graciously agreed to share their experiences with us, and I thank them for that. So, let's get started, shall we? I thought you may all enjoy the many stories of what I would think to be a paranormal hotspot, Spirit Lake, Idaho. Spirit Lake is a small town north of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, with many haunted houses and much talk of ghosts. Before I get into the deep digs of the paranormal activity in the area, I would like to put a little background content out there on the town, and I want to fully disclose that all this information I'm providing is word of mouth, except for how the lake was named. Before it was even settled, the Kootenai tribe resided in the area. The tribes in this area were constantly at war with each other. To make peace, the chief promised his princess daughter to marry the prince's son of the enemy tribe. But the princess was already madly in love with a warrior. Completely distraught, the couple went to the lake and jumped in, drowning and haunting the lake forever. Legend has it that you will see the two in a canoe with mist around it. The tribe named the lake something that translates into English as Spirit Lake. On top of this eerie tale, there are many deaths and memorials around the lake. It's exceptionally weird because I've been to many lakes in North Idaho, being an avid fisher and none have nearly as many memorials or graves as this. I only confidently know three stories of deaths in the lake. One was a seven-year-old boy, swimming in shallow water, got tangled in weeds and drowned. I always wondered about why weeds that could easily be pulled up drowned him. The lake bottom is very muddy and stuff like that just doesn't root well in there. Maybe he just panicked and couldn't pull up. Or maybe something held him down there. Another was at your classic backwoods trespassing high school bonfire party. A junior was drunk, and no one noticed him falling into the water. How did he not make a sound? Sound echoes in a lot of the area that he was in. There wasn't any loud music because they didn't want to get caught. 
Did someone jokingly push him in and thought that he was well enough to get out on his own? Did he slowly fall in and no one noticed? Or did something pull him in? The final story I know is a drug deal gone wrong. Two teenagers were fighting over pot money. It was winter, and the other got violent and pushed him in. The water is very shallow and iced over, but he got trapped under the ice. Most of the memorials are male teens. The negative energy is added to by the negative witches that lived in Spirit Lake. They were known for animal sacrifices and sexual rituals. Many of them, in the 60s, would stop people on the highway at night and try to convert you. They're still there, to this day. I lived two houses down, and I'd wake up to chance, in no correlation to the moon cycles. The women and the family, they were not allowed to get out. The father and uncle were pervs. They dressed in old-fashioned farmer clothes, browns, grays, and black. The woman would wear bonnets. To this day, many animals go missing on Halloween. I know they do so everywhere, but much more were noticed in Spirit Lake, more than any of the other bigger neighboring towns. Spirit Lake started out as a logging town and died shortly after. There were many old buildings left, and it's advertised as a beautifully historic downtown, Spirit Lake, with inland empire trails, at least on local radio stations. It also has many haunted buildings. The old movie theater that is now a florist shop, the White Horse Saloon, a run-down building next to the elementary school, a greenhouse next to the park, one commercial building that is no longer standing behind the hardware store. Many locals claim that they have both negative and positive spirits haunting their houses as well. And Spirit Lake is full of good, honest church people. It is widely accepted that ghosts are everywhere. And we pray devoutly for protection for us and our neighbors. There are two mountains nearby that also have paranormal or alien activity. Rathdrum Mountain and Hoodoo Mountain. Lights, ghosts, and Bigfoot reports frequently come in from there. All both negative and positive experiences. I have been hunting many times in the Hoodoo area and Inland Empire Paperland as well. I haven't had any paranormal experiences really, but I have seen how a Bigfoot could be hiding. There is so much wilderness and pocketed areas that would provide much coverage and hiding spots. I haven't had any really paranormal interactions with the area, I don't think. One day, I was completely distraught and walked through the woods, and the woods felt comforting and more reassuring than usual. But I'm 90% sure that was just because I love the wilderness. I do know people in groups who have seen stuff that I completely agree with. They are honest, old-fashioned, and churchgoers. I do recognize that Spirit Lake has an above-average drug usage problem and may cause some of the paranormal interactions. 
but I do feel a negative energy in certain areas from the sorrow and dark behaviors that the land has. And I think the druggies feed the paranormal energy. Some things are just inexplicably complicated and unknown. While Spirit Lake haunts many, it also blesses many with beautiful land, plentiful hunting and fishing, and a tight-knit community that looks out for each other. I think I may have died in a car accident in an alternate reality last summer. Last summer I was driving on the freeway. I was in the car by myself and it was a clear sunny day, not a cloud in the sky. There was a semi about 50 feet ahead of me and a red car a couple of lengths behind me. I looked down for a split second to adjust the volume on the stereo and when I looked up, a thick fog had rolled in, and the semi, in front of me, was on its side, sliding sideways towards me, fast. I knew I was about to die, with absolute certainty. I felt panic, but also this crushing devastation that I wasn't going to be there to see my daughter grow up. I've never felt anything like that before or since. Blind terror overwhelming sadness the knowledge that this was the end and grief because I wasn't ready I opened my mouth to gasp or scream or something I must have blinked in that moment because suddenly the day was sunny again the semi was upright and driving normally still about 50 feet ahead of me and the red car was still a few car lengths behind me I was shook I had to pull over on the freeway to have a meltdown because seconds before, I'd been about to die. I just sat in the car for a few minutes in shock. I know what I experienced. I was 100% sober. I have never hallucinated. I'm a very sensible, skeptical person. But I cannot explain what happened that day. Premonition? Did I die? in an alternate universe? Has anyone else experienced something like this? This one always kind of reminded me of the sixth sense. My dad and I drove past a motorcycle wreck once. He can see things, I can't. As we drove by, the motorcycle rider was being loaded into the ambulance. My dad said, it's too late, he's not there anymore. I asked him how he knew, and he said the rider was standing over his bike as his body was being carted away. This next one, this was my dad's first experience. At around eight years old, he was staying in the house of his great-grandma, and he went upstairs to take a nap. She had died only a few months before. He woke up from his nap, only to see his great-grandma, much younger now, looking at him from the hall. When she noticed he had awakened, she placed her index finger on her lip and then left. He was on the second floor, 
and he swears up and down that he never touched a single stair going down that staircase. In 2012, when my sister was dying of cancer, I moved into her tiny apartment with her. It was basically two rooms. She had the bedroom, and I slept on a nasty old couch stained with cat urine. As the disease progressed and the chemotherapy made her sicker, I bought an electronic wireless doorbell and affixed the button to the rail of her bed. That way, she could summon me with little effort if she needed something. She felt guilty about using it, but I convinced her that it was okay and to ring at any time she needed anything. It was a horrible time, but I was glad to be there with her. After she died, the medical supply rental company came and picked up the rented hospital bed. I had the doorbell sitting around on the credenza in a small room where I slept. One day, my sister's friend Mark was visiting. It was about a week after she had died, and Mark and I were both in kind of a fog of grief. I was chatting with Mark and happened to be looking at the doorbell. All of a sudden, I saw the red LED on the button light up, and the doorbell chimed. The LED above the button only lit up if someone pushed it. Mark and I stopped talking for a few seconds and looked at the doorbell. Neither of us commented on it then. Some months later, Mark brought it up. He said that it seemed a bit spooky to him. I agreed, but didn't really know what to say about it. I no longer believe in ghosts, but the doorbell never rang on its own again that I witnessed. I'll start out with a little backstory. I became medically disabled in the Army in 2015. I served the rest of my time creating a private security team called SE-146 while I was in the reserve component. My name is Delta. I reside in Arizona and I'm getting ready to retire SE-146 operations, being that I'm starting a family next year. Fast forward to 2019, my partner, Guardian Six, and I were hiking in the woods off the Rio Verde River at a recreation site. The park looks like it's a location from one of those cliché thrillers. Trees loom over the pathways, nearly blocking out the moon. And vegetation is so thick that light won't pass through, let alone a person if they needed to hustle through for any reason. Let me be the first to tell you that there are many of those reasons that you'd want to run off the trail into the tree line. O6 and I were walking the trail approximately 2 a.m. on a Monday. The air was crisp and it felt good to have the occasional cool breeze in the fall. The trail winds around 150 meters before ending, but it was our first time and it seemed indefinite. As we rounded one of the long curves, we heard some loud movement in the trees. We quickly crouched down and went dead silent. Suddenly, my heart leapt through my skin as we heard what sounded like a woman in distress being assaulted and screaming. We slowly encroached on the sound and came to a parking lot. We scanned the asphalt and trees, and no one was around. There were no vehicles, no movement. 
We got in the car and left hurriedly toward the classic midnight snack joint, Mickey D's. Six months later, O6 and I were back on the trail. This time we came from the Screamer Trailhead, as we affectionately call it. As we finished up the trail, we noticed a gray Mustang drive up fast, and we quickly dove into the trees, started crawling under the canopy. Two men got out. They were speaking Spanish while they opened the trunk. To my astonishment, they grabbed a large black bag and hauled away what I can only describe as an adult-sized human cadaver into Screamer Trail. We've been to that river dozens of times on operation. We've been shot at. We've heard trees knock as if there were a Sasquatch moving around. We've been hunted by mountain lions. A myriad of insane activity has gone on there. And the craziest thing is we've hardly ever seen police presence. I'm talking three times from 2019 to 2021. Always remember, if you're going to hike the Rio Verde, prepare to get hunted. Can ghosts get jealous when your attention is off of them, even for a little while? Can they remind you that they do indeed exist? The day started in the usual way. My husband went to work. I took the kids to school. And then I returned home alone to clean up the kitchen before I spent the day in my home office with eyes glued to my computer screen. Being from New England, we have two kitchen back doors a heavy wooden inner door, and an outside aluminum storm door. When the weather is nice, we often have the inner door open so that the light comes in. The storm door, however, is closed and often hook-locked. Now and then, when I'm home alone, I lock the storm door with the hook-lock at the very top of the door because we have an in-ground pool and we wanted to keep the kids from easily unlocking the door and going out back without supervision. At that time, the hook was new, and so tight I often needed a towel to help me pry the lock out of the eye to unlock the door. This morning, like most, before my day job took all of my attention, I headed out to the back door to spend some time with the pups. We were all looking forward to about ten minutes of fun, as both puppies ran through the door and I ran after them, the inner door was wide open. I remember hearing the storm door bang shut behind me. I walked around the pool and fenced-in yard with the boys. I threw the ball a bit on our grassy section and played tag with the two wonderful canines. And then we all headed toward the back porch. Our morning ritual was done. But when I got to the back door, the storm door wouldn't open. I could see into the sunny, quiet, empty kitchen. The latch, the handle, was open. The door even bent a bit. But I could see that it was stuck at the top where the hook and the eye lock was located. That was odd. The dogs, expecting that they were going in, were barking. Their heads pressed against me and the storm door as they anticipated at any time that I would let them back into the kitchen to grab a drink of water. But I couldn't do it. I tried shutting the door and retrying the handle. I even hid it from the outside 
where the lock would have been located on the inside. But no luck. I finally gave up trying to pry the door open, so I left the dogs in the backyard, grabbed the hidden spare key, and opened the cellar door. I then climbed the rickety wooden stairs and thanked God that the cellar door leading to the kitchen, though shut, was not locked. I then walked into the kitchen. The inner door was how I had left it, wide open, and the sun streaming in. I was really expecting to see the hook jabbed in between the door and the door jam. No, the hook was in the eye. By this time, the dogs were really making a ruckus for me to open the door. They could see me as they stood on the porch. So I reached up to unlock the door. The hook was not slightly in the hole. It was not a little bit in the hole. It was locked tight, and it was in so hard I needed to pry it open, using more than a little bit of effort. After I opened the door and let the dogs in the house... I called out for my husband. He must have returned home for some reason and locked me out of the house. Nothing. I looked to see if his car was in the driveway. Not there. The two dogs and I were completely alone. How do you think the door happened to get locked and keep me out of the house? What do you think happened? Could it be that my resident ghost was not fond of me playing with my new dog friends? Could he have become jealous of the cries of laughter coming from the backyard? Let me know what you think. A little backstory on a very haunted house. I live in an old home built in 1917. Been here since 2012 when we moved from a house that was certainly haunted. But anyways, I lived here with my dad and my mom until she tragically passed away in October of 2020. So about a year ago, as if out of the blue, I get a frantic call from my mom telling me of a demon in the house at around 4 a.m. in the morning. And she's saying that she called my dad to come home from work right then and there. He's a firefighter, so he works 24-hour shifts. She told him to come home because she was so frightened. I won't go into too deep of detail on her story because so many events have occurred. But basically, something that took the form of my father was pacing around upstairs and outside her door. It imitated his voice, spoke of killing that bitch and actually roared at her from outside of her door. Those were her exact words. This is what she recalled to us, but in my mind, I didn't want to believe it and half-heartedly shrugged it off as sleepless paranoia or something. Well, she passed due to suicide in October, but wasn't suicidal to our knowledge. And the day before, she texts my dad, Something along the lines of, I'm moving out of the house tomorrow. The house is haunted. The next day, she is dead. In the following months, I moved back in with my dad to the home, since I didn't want him alone in the house where his wife, my mom, 
just tragically passed away. In the months following, I've had terrifying experiences nearly every night. Footsteps pacing up and down the stairs, almost always starting around 3 a.m. We have a burglar bar on the door, so nobody can even get past the door to come upstairs. But it's nonstop and very loud. I had gotten so shaken up and was almost certain somebody was inside and upstairs that I barricaded the door with a mini-fridge and I kept a rifle next to me. I hear running around a lot, things being thrown around, etc. Well, last week, it intensified a bit as I was in my parents' room where a lot of this stuff has been heard or has originated. They have a closet and the door doesn't exactly latch as the frame and the door don't exactly fit. And it's very stiff. When it's closed, you nearly have to give it a rough pull to open it. Well, the entirety of the previous night, I was hearing the same walking up and down the stairs, and I was basically sitting up in bed saying prayers from 3 a.m. onwards. It's now 9.30 a.m., and I'm laying in bed. I have my head under the covers and the TV playing. All of a sudden, I hear a large bang in the room. My heart stopped and I pulled my head from under the covers and bam, the closet door is wide open and still moving from the force of it being opened. My mouth dropped and after 15 seconds of sitting there going, what the fuck? I got the courage to jump up and I ran outside from shock. Weird event. Well, today I got home around 11 p.m., and nobody was home. My dad had quadruple bypass from a sudden heart attack a week prior, but he was not home at the moment. I go upstairs to his room, and his closet door is wide open. I'm like, hell no, and shut it, and pushed it in real tight. I turn my back, not even three seconds pass, and boom, it flies open so hard that it nearly shuts from the force of being swung back. I start rebuking any spirits and praying, calling a friend, grabbing my cross, etc. Then I'm downstairs, still shook up about the fact, and laying on the couch, trying to forget about the whole thing, and it's nearing 3 a.m. This is when I hear the loudest, angriest stomps I have ever heard coming from upstairs. It was extremely loud, like somebody was pissed off and stomping off to start a fight. I jumped off the couch, looked on the porch in case maybe it was my dad coming home or something of the sort. I look and nothing. There is not a soul. At this point, I know for an absolute fact these stomps occurred upstairs, near where the door had swung open. I instantly started to panic and was shaking badly. I grabbed my most important things like my charger and shoes and literally fled the house as fast as I possibly could. I was shaken so badly that as I backed out of the house, the brakes were pumping due to my leg going out of control. I fell into tears due to how frightening this was. 
there is a dark and malevolent energy in my home. And I'm scared to be in the house after dark at this point. This just occurred about exactly an hour ago. Just wanted to share a piece of my story for anyone who's interested. Ghosts in the afterlife are a very real thing and very terrifying at that. I'm not sure what to do besides sell the house at this point. I feel it's responsible, at least partially, for my mom's sudden suicide. Thanks for listening. I live in Singapore, and it's the hungry ghost month again. It's like the Day of the Dead in Mexico, but with more jaw sticks and hell money. However, after my experience five years ago, I never leave my blinds open at night anymore. To those unaware, the Hungry Ghost Festival happens during the seventh month of the lunar calendar and lasts for 14 days in East Asian countries. Essentially, Taoists and Buddhist followers burn paper money or hell money, jaw sticks, and food offerings to pray to their ancestors. These offerings also appease the hungry ghosts, spirits with insatiable hunger that haunt the streets. As Singapore is a multiracial, multi-religious society, locals are taught about the festival as children. There are three simple rules. Don't step on any jaw sticks or paper money. Never touch the offerings. And don't go out late at night. Naturally, I abide by the rules and have a front row seat to the festival. I understand its religious importance and honestly, don't hate it. Every year, offerings are left along pathways near homes and paper money is burned in metal bins late at night. Yellow embers light the ground with smoke trailing up to meet my window. I live in an apartment close to the ground floor and I'm within earshot of the chants and the prayers. One late night, I couldn't sleep too well and hung out with my elder sister and her cat in the living room. The night was deathly quiet and peaceful. At some point, I realized I could smell smoke in the living room and figured the window must have been left ajar. From this room, the window looks down on the offerings on the ground floor. The curtain was slightly open. I snuck over to the window and peeped outside. It was midnight. The metal bin was still burning and it gave the ground floor an unearthly glow. As I closed the window, I heard something crunching below me. I figured it was the neighborhood cat, but I was met with something large crouching under my window. From my vantage point, I could see someone kneeling at the offerings. They had long black hair and a draping white, dirty smock. They bowed over a spot with many offerings, and I thought they were in deep prayer, but it was odd because it was pretty late already. The crunching noises were growing louder, originating from the messy black hair. My realization made my knuckles turn white. I was rooted in fear. 
This wasn't a person. They had no shadow in the light of the joysticks and were actively eating the offerings. Hungrily, as if they were starved for years, my elder sister saw me petrified and called out to me, whispering if I was okay. I looked at her, my words shivering as I breathed. Someone is eating the offerings. The moment my voice rang out, something felt wrong. The crunching had stopped. I looked back to see the figure standing straight, stiff as a board. As it turned around, I locked the window and shut the curtains. I huddled beside my sister. She sensed something was off, too. All was quiet until the growling started. We looked over to the front door to see our pet cat growling. Protective of my elder sister, her furry coat and tail puffed up, and she looked unbelievably angry. My sister and I didn't move for an hour as the front door shook outside. I could hear a woman laughing softly at the door. I know I fucked up, but I'd never told the rest of my family about the incident. If my cat wasn't at the door, I believe that thing could have attacked me. As my cat no longer lives with us, I became very diligent and made sure every goddamn window is covered and locked by sundown. Do you believe a loved one can visit you before passing on? It had been about six years that my wife and I had moved a good distance away from my family. I hadn't seen my maternal grandparents in those years when one late night I received a phone call from my mother saying my grandfather had died unexpectedly. After falling asleep a short time later, I had a dream that my grandfather was standing at the foot of my bed. He appeared noticeably younger and healthy, like I remembered from my childhood. He was bathed in light behind him. He smiled at me, but did not speak. I did not speak to him. I then awoke to find my closet door at the foot of my bed open, with the light on. I thought that was unusual because I normally can't sleep unless it was pitch black in my room. It was also strange to me that he would visit my home in a dream when he had never visited my home when he was alive or knew where it was exactly. I did, however, feel at peace after seeing him. I'd felt guilty that night after the phone call of his death that I had not seen him, that I had put off traveling to visit. It was almost like he had visited to give us both some closure. I've never experienced anything like that since. Well, friends... That's the end of tonight's episode. But be sure to join me every Friday night for all new scary stories. 
A very big thank you to everyone for sharing their stories. I literally couldn't have done it without you. And thank you to my truly amazing audience for listening. Remember, if you love The Darkest Hour and you never want it to end, be sure to hit that subscribe button and tap the notification bell. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, Amanda, darkest hour at gmail.com. Also, check out our subreddit and follow The Darkest Hour on Instagram at The Darkest Hour YT. Stay spooky.